Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Road to Recovery podcast. This podcast is a platform for education, discussion, and conversations on mental health. I'm your host, Amira Shah, and in this podcast, you'll get to know more about the therapeutic process, insight into life from the perspective of the psyche, and also join me in exploring current issues with other practitioners. I specialize in grief, but I'm always interested in learning about the human experience of the mind, heart, and spirit. So join me on this journey of in-depth learning about ourselves and the world we live in. Hi everyone, welcome back to Science of the Soul. Today I have with me Princess R. Lakshman. Princess R. Lakshman is a clinical nutritionist, life coach, counselor, writer, speaker, and narrative therapist. As you can tell, she has done a lot in her life. Her background is, well, she started her healing journey in remedial massage, in journalism. She has experiences with life coaching. Um, She has a bachelor in health science. She is also a counselor and currently studying her master's in mental health. Hi, Princess. How are you tonight? Hey, Amira. I'm really well, and thank you for having me on your show. Oh, thank you for joining me. Um, Can you tell our audience and our listeners a little bit more about your background? Because it really looks like you've done almost everything that someone can do and be accredited in when it comes to healing. Yeah, certainly. Um, Well, I started my healing journey, as you rightly said, uh, in 1999, I thought, you know, I didn't want to do a, an accounting degree. And coming from the family background, everybody is either a lawyer or an accountant. So I thought uh, I didn't want to be an accountant. So I actually dropped out on my very last semester of my accountancy degree at Macquarie University here in Sydney, Australia. And I took up um, a, uh, an advanced diploma in um, remedial massage therapy. And after that, there was no looking back. Um, I was always a writer since the age of five. I was a creative writer. But after learning about massage therapy and and, uh, getting more and more interested in quantum physics and healing and and just understanding uh, soul, you know, soul awakening and and concepts of existential existence here, you know, all of that prompted me to know myself better. So I started uh, venturing out into the uh, mental health world. And um, yeah, so I started writing, I got my journalism qualification, wrote my first fiction in 2003. And um, and then I also uh, did my, um, what, is, what is it? Bachelor of Health Science in Clinical Nutrition and Dietetic Medicine um, in 2017. Um, and um, I'm now doing a master in mental health. So I've got a business that I run where I am, I call it Mind Body Healing Hub because I do a lot of energy work, um, narrative therapy, which is um, you know all about storytelling and healing from sharing your story, being listened to, and and journaling your feelings. Um, 
Um, so I facilitate a lot of workshops around self-care, narrative therapy, and uh, mind wellness, I like to call it. Yeah, so uh, so quite a comprehensive, um, you know, holistic approach where I look at a person's diet, lifestyle, mind wellness, and um, spiritual wellness as well, which is where the whole soul comes in. And I'm, I'm very happy to say that I've just recently, uh, last week, in fact, launched my second book, and it's called The Soul Speaks, and that's all about my own journey of uh, recovery in the last eight years where uh, I wrote poems about my own healing and recovery as I was healing through my mental illness. Um, so, yeah, um, I hope I'm not, uh, that's, uh, you know, boring you with all of these things, but, yeah, that's, uh, in a nutshell, that's my journey. Well, look, it's it's hard to be bored because almost every sentence you're introducing a completely different content, even if it's just listing your qualifications. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for that comprehensive um, introduction about yourself as well, because I don't think I could have done a better job. But can I ask you, what is dietetic medicine? Okay, so dietetic medicine is uh, food as medicine. So basically, you know, the creator has created this planet and, and the entire universe and it's ever expanding uh, infinite cosmos and everything that exists in nature has some kind of a healing property, including the human body. We have a, a, a natural calibration in the body to heal itself. If we do the right things, such as um, uh, eat the right foods and drink the right beverages and, and move the body um, and uh, think right thoughts and, and do good, good deeds of service. So all of this um, helps a person heal. Dietetic medicine is where you're looking specifically at your diet and that means your nutritional um, balance in the body. And earlier, before we started recording, you and I touched on find balance. Um, mm. I remember you saying this weekend was all about you striking a balance in, in your life. And so, yes, dietetic medicine is very important uh, when it comes to looking at a person's nutritional balance. So someone could be out, for example, in, in certain vitamins and minerals. So it is my my job as a food doctor, if, if I may say so myself, because I'm qualified in that field to specifically say I treat with food and I treat my patient with nutritional supplements. Yeah. Okay, thanks for that explanation. And I'm wondering with your Bachelor of Health Science, were there any elements or do you practice anything or draw from any, I guess, ancient um, medicinal practices or, or knowledge like Ayurveda or TCM and things like yes. that? Yes, very much so. So those are your... Um, holistically accepted healing modalities and um, it's actually practiced as a, um, a certified um, healing modality. So Ayurveda, in my first year of the degree, we dealt in uh, uh, ancient healing methods and that included Ayurveda being the science of life uh, from ancient India and um, we dealt in um, traditional Chinese medicine commonly known as the TCM looking at different uh, meridians and points. Although I'm not qualified to practice as an Ayurvedic practitioner or a TCM practitioner, but definitely we did subjects um, that were introductory subjects to give us 
as clinical nutritionists and dietetic medicine practitioners, it gave us a holistic understanding of um, healing that dates back so many centuries. Um, we also touched on um, other healing uh, modalities such as, um, you know, Yunani medicine, which was practiced very widely in the, um, in the Persian world uh, and very much by Ibn Sina, which, uh, who is your father of medicine, well before Hippocrates, you know, well before the Greek medicine came over. Um, there were Persian scholars, Persian medicine um, practitioners, so we delved in that as well. It's a great, great um, degree that I've done. I'm so proud of myself that at this age, I'm 46, I graduated last year, that, you know, it's never too late and you're never wow. too old because it's really helped me understand my own body. It's helped me heal my myself uh, beautifully. I'm really proud of myself. That's wonderful. Can I ask where you did this degree? Sure. So there are uh, different universities that do have your Bachelor of Health Science and they offer dietetic medicine and nutrition as your um, uh, specialty. Um, I however, like to go to a natural therapy university. So there is a university in Australia known as Endeavour College of Natural Health, and they only do natural medicine degrees. So it'll be science degree, but you can do a Bachelor of Health Science and qualify in the modality of clinical nutrition and dietetic medicine, or you can become a homeopathic uh, medicine practitioner, or you can do a specialization in um, naturopathic um, medicine as well. So all of these will still be under your Bachelor of Health Science umbrella. I see. Yeah. Okay. And they also do TCM um, as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks for that. That's really interesting. Um, as you know, I'm from Singapore, so there are not very many um, options when it comes to, to these sort of um, degrees at least not when I was yeah. you know, studying. So it's really interesting to see how, how broad and unique um, degrees are today, actually, yeah. whatever that's being offered. Yeah. So yeah, it's just mm -hmm. interesting. Definitely. So can you tell us a little bit about your book then? You mentioned it earlier. Yes. Um, so my, my book is called The, the Soul Speaks, and um, it's a, a book that's very special to my heart. Um, last eight years has, you know, have been a, a huge blessing in my life where I've had to um, be very honest with myself and, and come face to face with a life and death situation. I, I had a brain tumour which got operated on in 2012 um, and I also was, um, you know, dealing with a brand new diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder, um, complex PTSD, and um, also came out of a, a very violent marriage um, and was a single mother for a year to an eight-year-old who was basically caring for me because um, I was disowned by my own blood relatives, my parents, um, uh, because I chose to adopt a new religion for myself at that time. Um, and I continue to practice that for myself, my, my spiritual path, but they didn't agree with that. So I had no support. And in the last eight years, I've had a rough um, healing uh, and recovery journey 
and that's when I started writing a lot of um, content that was coming out of me during the healing phases, during my during me facing my own truth and um, awakening myself to why I do what I do, why I think the way I think, what conditions have I adopted in my life that I want to challenge and, and what patterns do I want to break. Because I realized very quickly in my life during that time, um, during my healing, is that I was done blaming and, and being a victim. I was done um, feeling sorry for myself. I really wanted to be the stoic person that I know I am and the resilient being that I'm blessed to be. And I, the only way I could do that is by a daily practice of self-awareness. And with that self-awareness, there was uh, immense realization, uh, immense depth uh, of mindfulness and uh, words started pouring out of me and that's how these uh, these reflective poems came into existence and I kept recording them and now this year I had the courage to collate them and 120 of those poems out of the 300 that I wrote I decided to publish in a book called The Soul Speaks because I really feel like my intuitive voice, uh, uh, my soul told me what to do during this healing phase. And um, I feel that's the voice that often people drown out uh, because of other people's voices telling them what to do and how they should be. And I, I feel that this book can be of benefit to other people who may be able to resonate with my, my journey. Hopefully, I'm really hoping. And so far, I've had a really great review about the book. Really great reviews. So it's available on Amazon, it's available in ebook as well as um, soft cover and hardcover as well that's awesome well you know what you talked about your book earlier before we started recording and i am actually really excited to to get my hands on it i can't wait to thank read thank you i want to ask you a question how did you get to the point where you felt the need or the desire or that, that turning point basically to re to relinquish um, your victim identity. Like, how did you get there? Um, I I think a lot of these stories start on the bathroom floor, um, and mine too started on the bathroom floor where um, I was done being a victim to my own. Uh, I was holding myself hostage. I wasn't growing. Um, in the first year, in 2012, I was uh, freshly out of uh, all of these uh, different situations. So I was disowned by family because of a religious uh, change that I made in my daily practice. I was also out of a domestic violent marriage. I was a single mom all of a sudden nurturing a brain tumor and then post-operation trying to um, rush back to work, not allowing my body to heal. Um, trying to put food on the table um, and I became very bitter with the world because I was living on um, peanut butter and bread because um, I didn't have enough money. I felt sorry for myself every day and with that feeling came the feeling of blaming um, the rest of the world. Why me? Why me? This whole, you know, I kept replaying my life um, and um, Mm. It was also, uh, I would like to mention here that I grew up in a very wealthy background, a, a very wealthy family background, but there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, abuse and um, 
child sexual molestation, pedophilia in the background that I have. Um, I can't, I won't be naming names, but there was a, a chronic pattern of that intergenerational pedophilia. So all of that kept playing in my mind, hence the complex PTSD. And one day, one day when I was treated really badly at work, um, that's the day I realized that I actually was allowing people to treat me badly without really standing up for myself. And the reason I wasn't standing up for myself was because I wasn't valuing myself, but I was expecting the world to value me. I had really terrible self-talk. I didn't talk nicely about myself to myself. And I hated and, and hated that fact about me. I um, hated the fact that things were terrible in my mind about my own existence and that I, I, I felt that I was better off not being here. But I looked at my little girl and I thought, that's not the woman I want her to see. You know, I want her to grow up knowing she's a strong girl and she can overcome um, and triumph and, and uh, flourish. But how do I do that? How, how do I make her see all of that i can't just preach it to her i need to be that i need to uh, i need to exalt myself i need to really rise above this uh, victim state that i was living in and um, it was on the bathroom floor i just cried and cried and cried and i just decided one day that afternoon that i wasn't going to put up with my own if i may say so, i'm just going to use this word i um, wasn't going to put up with my own shit that I was creating for myself, I was done blaming. And I thought, okay, it's now time. I've done the blaming, I've done the fault line, I've done the feeling like crap and feeling like a victim. Now I'm going to do the, um, the responsible thing, which is to take some accountability. Where did I stuff up? What did I do to contribute to the misery that I'm um, blaming others for? Of course, I can't take blame for what happened to me as a child, the violation of my body and trust and safety that mm. adults I trusted. Uh, I can't control that. But can I learn from that? Can I seek some kind of self-forgiveness and not feel shame about another person's terrible character? Can I rise above that? Can I find forgiveness? Can I move beyond? Can I be uh someone who is going to nurture my inner child was hurting so badly can i change the way i view the world can i change the lens through which i'm perceiving my life those are the questions i started asking myself and i got help i got professional help i got a lot of people to help me i got uh spiritual um, guidance uh, professionally i got counseling i got narrative therapy for myself which is why i now do narrative therapy for my clients because i know how it benefited me i got a life coach for myself which is why i'm now a life coach too because i now know how to manage my own triggers on a daily basis you know self-care is a daily thing self-care of your mind and body uh, you can't just say I'm, I'm, I'm healed it's a daily exercise it's a daily practice so I, I really invested in myself um, after that day in the bathroom when I, uh, when I was done being the suki victim of my own uh, mind, you know. Um, sorry, that was a whole mouthful, but I had to get that out.
Look, I always think that um, drawing a picture and having context really gives like listeners a lot more to understand. Um, it gives mm. it gives it, it gives us a better idea f- about where you're coming from. It it lets us understand, you know, how deep your passion runs as well. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing all that. Obviously, you didn't have to, but you you did, and it also sounds as if you have come to terms with a lot of these things. Um, that you're able to talk about it. perhaps as a memory rather than something that would seize you and in the moment and, you know, evoke whatever emotional um, responses. Yeah. Yeah. It took a long time, Amira. It took a long time um, because the journey started, um, you know, in 2012 and it, it wasn't until 2017 that I, started to really love myself um, and accept myself and talk nicely about myself to myself. I think, um, uh, you know, and and that's when I started my um, coaching and counseling journey too, when I I could say to myself without feeling like a hypocrite that I love myself, I value myself, I cherish myself and I'm um, joyful being here and I'm grateful being here it's when I could say these words and really believe in them is when I could um, then be of service to others prior to that I was just in a cycle of abuse and it had turned from external abuse to internal abuse where I was the abuser I was abusing myself and I was abusing others too I would I would be that woman that you see in a supermarket abusing the cashier, I was that. I was a vile. I was uh, someone who abused the waiter. I was someone who abused the cashier. I was someone who uh, lashed back at my little kid, my, my little daughter, my precious little angel. You know, I was that, that woman who you didn't want to be around. I didn't want to be around her. So I had to really change that. And I think if someone like me can change, I was also into substance abuse. Mm. So if someone like me can change, I feel like now I can be of service to others to know that it's possible to heal, it's possible to recover, and it's possible to to know that you're not alone. There are others who can help you, just like how I was helped. It's as though you've climbed out of the pits of hell. That's how I like. I like to phrase that as well. And um, I have to say, the the spiritual path that I've adopted for myself has really helped me understand that as well. Mm. I felt like in the past, uh, prior to my spiritual um, awakening, I, um, you know, was living a life of hell. And only now do I um, do I feel so grateful, so grateful every day, every moment. In fact, is a huge blessing. I mean, you and I now. This is our moment of now. Look at us. We're connecting over this beautiful um, format of online virtual connection and um, trying to um, be of service to others listening to this um, and and helping them through our own lived experiences. You know, I'm so grateful. I am too. I am too. I'm actually really humbled that you've um, agreed to do this with me. Uh, when, When we first started talking, 
<clears throat> through my research, um, I was just blown away with our conversation. And I just had to ask you if you wanted to, to take this a little bit further in a different, you know, in a different format. And you're not even where I am. I mean, I'm in Brisbane and you are in New South Wales, right? Yeah, I'm in Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. That's right. Thank you again for the Thank third you. or fourth time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask you something that that came to my mind. Um, do you think if you didn't have your little girl, things would be different? Yes, I always say that to her, that I'm really grateful that, uh, you know, my creator blessed me with my, my child because I, everybody needs hope in life. You know, hope is very important um, to live for something, to, to, um, to dedicate your life uh, to be more than your misery or, or your miserable experiences is very important. And I found that in my child, I found that, you know, no matter how terrible, um, how terribly behaved I was in, in my unhealed days, this little child, this little daughter of mine didn't give up hope on me. You know, she became my carer. She, um, she gave me hope she would come and say to me it's okay mommy you'll be all right mommy um you're fine mommy just smile and she would actually run her fingers on my face and she would uh, she would um make the shape of my uh, the corners of my mouth into a smile whenever i was down you know she would actually do that with her fingers and and if it wasn't for her, I feel I probably would have just gone um, in another direction, maybe a darker, a darker, I would have probably made darker choices. Let's put it that way. I would have made, because that part of me is still there. Um, that that, that uh, darker part of me hasn't left me. I'm just more aware of that personality. So my my dominant side is the awareness of the darkness you can never receive light and just distinguish your dark and and say it's not there anymore no um there are days where the darkness looms back up again if there is a trigger which is really strong but i know how to manage that now i know how to look after myself but back then my little girl was my hope of just hanging on, hanging. She was the light that I needed at that time. And she's now 18 and a half. Wow. You know, uh, hallelujah. She's 18 and a half. And um, when she turned 18 during lockdown here in Sydney two months ago, three months ago, um, the night before she turned 18, she journaled because she's, she's a, into journaling as well. She journaled and she came and talked to me on the eve of her birthday. And she said, Mom, I really need to express to you how I felt when you were behaving like a monster during the days when you were trying to understand what was wrong with you. And she read four pages of truth about how an eight-year-old felt um, trying to be a carer of a mother who was a total monster in the way she treated herself and others around her and it was huge for me to hear that from her and she said mom this is not to say to you that i blame you this is the inner child that is now processing what she went through and she needed to be heard 
she needed to confront you that this is what she went through. I'm going to be 18 tomorrow and I'm going to be an adult. And I wanted to say to you before I became an adult so that you could hear as well. And I really am so grateful that she shared that with me because now imagine the wonderful awakened woman she is and the mother that she's going to be to her children in the future. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful. If it wasn't for her, um, I feel I thank her every day for choose for choosing me to be her mother. I, I I thank her for for coming into my womb and and for a time in my life allowing me to to nurture her soul in my body where my soul and her soul dwelt together in my body and and to allow me to mother her and and nurture her as a little kid and to allow me to learn from her. Um, and, and come to terms with my illness and, and to overcome the illness so that I could be better for her. So yes, she's definitely a savior for me. That must have been so confronting for you. Yeah, oh yeah, it was, it was huge because it was, I, I know the monster that I was and um, I remarried um, uh, a year after um, I, you know, I had my brain tumor operation and everything, but my husband, um, bless him, you know, he is an amazing, because my daughter said to me um, when she was reading out her journal entry, she said, my husband now mm-hmm. um, was like a Mary Poppins in her life. He came into our lives to save her from the monster that I was. Mm. Wow. Because her, my, my, my ex-husband, doesn't have a relationship he's estranged from his own child so my daughter has no relationship with her biological father we don't know where he is um he's not made contact with her ever after we left him so um we we don't know where he is and he chooses not to be in our life and even though we've reached out to his family he's not part of our life um, Mm. by choice um yeah so um my my husband now came into our life uh, nine years ago and um, really embraced my child as his own child and truly was indeed the Mary Poppins of my child's life. That's such a heartwarming story. Life story, may I add? Yeah, I was reading. I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. He's, he's a wonderful man. And it was really hard for me to accept love uh, in the way that he displayed it. Uh, I didn't know how to receive it. I hated and myself so much i loathed myself so much that uh, there was no ounce in me that could actually accept his uh, kindness and love it was foreign because i was so used to being treated like crap so i was expecting to be treated like crap and hence now when i coach my own clients who are survivors of domestic violence i now know how to come out of the victim and abuse cycle where you don't abuse your new partner who is trying to love you. Because I was very abusive to him verbally and emotionally in the first year, first two years of our marriage, I, I was terrible uh, to him. And I'm so blessed that he believed in me and my healing to know that I will overcome that pattern. Yeah. You know, they say hurt people hurt people. And oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Also, the fact that it's not like you had a reference point ever earlier in life of what tenderness and affection and unconditional love 
was like in any way. So you've never really learned it or experienced it. It's so hard to recognize it and then like accept it. Yeah. I like how you use the word recognize because that's exactly what it was. It was difficult to recognize it even within myself. I, I didn't know love dwelled in me. I was love. I mean, I am love. We, we can't go looking for love. I had to recognize love that is within me to accept the love and kindness that my husband was and is, you know. Um, it, it only because of recognition of that. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Science of the Soul. This is a short interruption to let you know that if you or someone you know are in need of more support, you can find me at Road to Recovery on my Facebook page, my Instagram, or my website at aroadtorecovery.org. I hope you've enjoyed listening so far. And now let's get back to the podcast. Sometimes I wonder when, you know, people like yourself who've had significantly tragic um, history or upbringing or, you know, time of your life, and then somehow something turns around or someone walks into their lives or something happens, right? And there's, you know, 180 degree flip. Um, I wonder, and this is getting a bit more existential, but I wonder if yeah. if it's like, I guess I would make sense of it as a second chance. And I wonder oh, yeah. Yeah. how many people pass up that opportunity because they don't recognize that they're having a sense. Yes. Yes. And, and when I pray now, every day. That's what I pray for. I pray that I never forget the mercy and the grace that, um, that are a part of my day every day. You know, the blessing and the mercy of, of this new awakened life that I'm living, a life of uh, complete self-awareness uh, mm. where I don't own anything, Amira. I don't, I, I live in a property which I rent. I don't own any gold. I had to sell everything when I was ill to, to pay rent back in the day. Um, and uh, I have no assets. I don't own a car. I don't own anything. I don't own anything. Um, I'm like a nomad, you know. All I have are my books and my, my the food on the table and food in the pantry and my my qualifications and my ability to be of service. It is that ability of being of service, that is what I own. And uh, my creator, my God has blessed me with awareness that I can now look back on all of those experiences, good and bad, and use them as my skill set, my toolbox of tools where I can go out into the world and be of service. And uh, I don't mind if a person coming to me doesn't have money to pay me because I feel like that's not my purpose. I know a lot of business owners will say, well, you're a terrible business person. Well, you know what? I'm not a business person. I'm here to serve. I'm mm -hmm. here to serve because 
my God has actually given me a new life and it's not about the money because I'm still surviving beautifully. I'm still, he's, my God is sustaining me every day with food, water, shelter, clothing, um, and protection and safety every single day. So I'm, I'm not in a race to, you know, compete. I'm here to serve. And that's, that's how I want to be till the last breath that I take to keep serving, whether it's through my writing, through my speaking, through my, um, you know, coaching, journaling, whatever it may be. I, I just want to keep serving because I know what it's like to want to end it. I know what it's like to think this is not worth it. I want to leave this earthly plane. And it's not a good thought. It's not a good feel. So I want to be of service to anybody who even for a second feels that this is not worth it. Well, I want to remind them that, you know what, I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to walk with you because I know what it's like to feel that. So let's walk together until you can walk on your own again. Hmm. Did you did you have anyone in particular that held your hand and walked you through that? I know you said you saw many people. You um, sought for a lot of assistance with you know various practitioners. Was there one person that had a profound impact on your recovery? My my husband now. My husband now has been that one constant uh, mirror who um, kept, you know, kept his cool and who kept understanding my triggers even before I could understand them and who kept saying to me, you know, you need to go, you know, you, you need to be in silence, you need to be in solitude, you need to love yourself, you need to remind yourself that right now I'm not another man who has hurt you in the past, I am I am me and I'm, you know, he, he would bring me back to the moment of now. And it's very important for people who are suffering triggers and uh, trauma, the way to actually move past and overcome and uh, manage triggers, because triggers won't go away. You just need to know how to manage them. So my husband had a profound, and even to this day still has a profound role in how I manage my triggers. He's very vigilant about how he speaks with me whenever I am feeling triggered and mm. br bring me back into the moment of now because when you're triggered you're living reliving the past or you're anxiously trying to fix something that hasn't even happened so it's, a, it's like a uh, false future uh, real playing in your head or a an imagined uh, past that keeps repeating um, so and different versions terrible versions of it so mm. Yeah, being in the moment of now is very important. And he's, he's the man who's helped me understand that. And of course, I've had my life coaches and my counselors as well who've really been there for me. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, what came to my mind was at some point, I think I was attending a, a training. A seminar um, with Vanderkok, Vessel Vanderkok, mm -hmm. and he was showing us how our brains looked when we're being triggered, and 
apparently there's a center in our brain right now I can't quote you all the scientific terms because it's late and I don't remember <laughs> but there's a part of the mm -hmm. brain where that kind of keeps track of our time it's called like the timekeeper part of the brain and right. you know, it gives you a sense of where we are you know what time it is what day what year how old we are and when we're being triggered and re-traumatized when we're having flashbacks um intrusive flashbacks yeah. Um, that timekeeper actually goes off. So we we are actually, you know, back in, you know, when we were 17 or seven years old or something like that. Um, yeah. We've completely yeah. dissociated from our body and from our actual life right now, which is, which is what came to my mind when he kept saying, you know, bring yourself back to the present to now. Um, and that he was able yes. to do that. So he was like, a, he was like, I guess you're a rock. He grounded you constantly. Yeah. Yes, yes, always. And he would never sugarcoat anything. He would, oh. he would never belittle me for my triggers and he wouldn't sugarcoat to make me feel like I was okay. He would only be real and say and bring me back to the moment of now and make me come back to now in the most real way. So I'm really grateful that he's not someone who sugarcoats things and he's not someone who insults or belittles me. He, mm basically is that that equal the equal um who who helps you mm. regain your um, you know he, he was like that north star where just uh, you just follow the north star and you're back on track again wow you know i think we don't i've thought about this quite a bit in the past couple of months but i think we really don't attribute a lot of our growth to our life partners or our relationships in the past and you know often we go like oh you know i i studied this and i was qualified in that and um you know i managed to get through school i managed to do this i started off my business blah 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 and a lot of the time we've we you know would have intimate relationships you know along the way in the last like decade or so and whether for 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 good or for bad these relationships have been agents towards our growth yes um yes. and I, I think that we, we we just don't kind of we don't talk about it enough like I know there are yes. a lot of people in my life that I can really, yes. ask, you know, so much to in terms of like romantic relationships and also like family relationships. But your 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 husband or your wife, um, or your you know previous boyfriends or girlfriends or ex husbands and ex wives, they all play a part in like you know helping you get to who you are today. Like it's you know you're you're not just like self made in a way um yeah yeah you, you're not that i yeah I've, I've mentioned this in the soul speaks as well in one of my yeah. poems of how people are a catalyst um they they come into your life every single person um plays a role in only one thing and one thing alone and that is for you to know yourself better mm, mm, definitely because they know, even if they and even if they inflict harm on you, even if they inflict 
um, you know, violate your privacy, violate your body, whatever. Even if there is a negative experience, that for you is still a learning journey for you to know yourself better of what you deserve, what you don't want, and what what you need to choose in future. You know, all of those, all of that gives you better awareness of who you are and what you want. Mm. Wise words. You know, just now when you were talking about the darkness that mm. you, that still resides within you, but you know the light is more dominant, and you've cultivated that. Can you give me an example of what you're talking about? Because that really got me curious. That I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I'm like, I have to ask her about this. What does she mean? So, when I'm aware of my darkness, um, which is every day, I'm aware of my ability to harm. I am a human being with natural tendencies, so I'm aware of my ability and capabilities of self-harm and harming others through my words or through violence or through abusive uh, behavior or even abusive thoughts. I'm aware that I hold that, um, uh, that um, you know, possible action where I may not act it out, but I am completely aware that I'm able if I choose to act it out, I'm fully able to execute that. The, the light is the, 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 the actual choice that you make when you are completely aware that you want to harm yourself or harm somebody else through thoughts, words, or deeds. And you, in that moment, you decide and make the choice of peace. So peace is not in my own mind, peace is not uh, just a uh, something innate that you're born with. I feel that peace is a choice mm. because your your nature is such that you can swing the pendulum from the dark to the light and back to the dark and back to the light. Mm -hmm. So it's a natural pendulum we have where we can actually, through the use of our free will, choose certain um, thoughts, words, and deeds. And I'm very aware of when I feel crappy about myself or crappy about somebody else and uh, want to, you know, uh, avenge or, or, or uh, seek some kind of, uh, you know, confrontational meeting or, or want to say something rude. I'm aware. Um, I don't act it out because I now am aware enough to choose peace over it i now am aware to uh, aware enough to say okay that is the dark part of me that is trying to emerge and i acknowledge it i never i never speak down about my darkness you know i never speak down to the dark self that i have i acknowledge it it's there it's a part of me i'm not here to condemn it i'm not here to judge myself i'm here to understand it so I think the awareness of the darkness helps me understand where the darkness is actually coming from. What is triggering the darkness? Who's involved? What smells or sights or tastes or, uh, or anything like that? Any of the sensory perceptions of that darkness, what's involved? So the journalist in me will then do narrative therapy on my own self and try and understand the darkness. 
And when I understand the darkness, I can then overcome it by shedding light on it through my writing and say, okay, now that I've acknowledged it, I haven't judged myself or shamed myself or blamed myself for it. I've actually taken accountability that there is darkness in me for this particular person or this particular situation. Mm. What I will do now is I will take ownership of that dark thought and I will now perform a peaceful gesture to myself to rise above the darkness and shed light and say, you know what? Right, the darkness is there, it's valid. But is it owning me? Am I defined by it? No, I'm not defined by somebody else's crappy mood or crappy service or um, whatever it may be. I'm not defined by this uh, darkness that um, I'm aware of. No, I know that it's a part of me. I'm just not defined by it. So what's mm -hmm. a better part of me that will actually serve me? Because I know this one doesn't serve me. This will just harm me where I want to spend, you know, in bed for days. So I'm going to just choose what will serve me. And that is some self-care, some downtime. Those days I will just choose to be with myself, hang out with myself, or even watch a, a nice feel-good movie or some comedy show and, and laugh it out or, you know, um, treat myself to something or read a good book and feel good, um, talk to a friend. So I now know how to acknowledge the dark instead of act the darkness out. That's what I meant. So these, these are the things that you would do. You would engage in self-care activities and also mm -hmm. reflect and choose um, a, a more positive part of you or like a strength. I don't really want to say a strength because I don't think you're specifically referring to strengths. But these are the... No, I'm not. Yeah, you're right. I'm not referring to strength because darkness is also strength in terms of, uh, you know... Um, the, the, the change that it facilitates. It's the understanding of your darkness right. that is more important than blaming the darkness for holding you back. So understanding the darkness actually allows you the breakthrough. Yeah, because you're not rejecting it. You're not suppressing it. And so you're not giving it the opportunity to fester, I guess. Yes, yes. And you'll find that a lot of religion... Uh, religious leaders or religious scholars will actually misinterpret that they'll they'll blame the devil for it you know mm. i'm not here to blame my darkness i'm not here to um give responsibility of my dark my darkness to somebody else or some other entity i'm going to understand why the darkness is there i'm going to understand me more and me better and uh, i'm going to in the process choose light because i know that the duality is there within me, the darkness and the light. And we have that as proof. I mean, we have the night sky and then we have the dawn, you know? So our creator has shown us um, just through the revolving planet and the day and night and the way there is, uh, you know, sunshine and, and night sky with stars. We know for a fact that that dwells in us as well, the light and the dark mm. is part of us. It's what we choose that matters. And choosing can only come when you're informed about what it is you're choosing and that information comes through understanding otherwise you're just living a life of reactions i don't want to react i want to understand myself and respond in a manner where i'm choosing the response that is filled with light and that is filled with peace for self and others and we are part of nature as well if nature has 
night and day, rain and shine, you know, why, why, why deny the fact that we too have two different sides to us, I guess. Um, yeah. There's another thing. Yes, because if you, if you put all the colors together on a paint palette, right? If you put all the colors together, it'll turn black. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So black's not bad, even though all the colors look really pretty, but when you mix all the colors together, it turns black. Um, it goes white. Know, um, sorry? I thought it goes white. When you put all the colors together, you get like a, like white light is made out of all the different colors oh my white wrong. light is yes white light is but i'm talking about like you know when when you're using the, the colorful palette i'm talking more uh, uh, more, uh literally like paint you know because people color. think that uh, prettiness in life is all about um doing um, only things that are positive but you can't suppress your negativity and disown it you've got to acknowledge the negativity and choose the positivity over the negativity one must not suppress the negativity one must become aware of it and acknowledge it and understand it it's a part of us when you talked about um how some religious scholars or leaders um externalize the negativity into a different um entity you know mm-hmm. like the devil or something something evil in that sense I wonder if the original interpretation, well, the original idea is meant to be interpreted as something more symbolic. Yeah, I think think you're on the right track. My husband and I were talking about it last night on the phone. Um, And I say phone because he's he's been stuck in Mumbai for two and a half years now due to COVID. I'm so, so sorry. We, 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 we speak on the phone and. Sorry? I, oh, sorry. I said I'm so sorry to hear that my heart goes out to you. Oh, thank you, darling. Thank you. But yeah, him and I, we talk about, you know, existential, spiritual stuff all the time. And I, I think that's why we get on really well because we talk about these things a lot. And just last night, we were talking about how you know um the devil really has the concept of devil has been misinterpreted right from the beginning we feel that it's a metaphorical display of uh, uh you know the the evil and the good that we all possess uh, and it is the free will with which to choose you know whether you want to portray um an action that is evil or you want to display an action which is good mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I've had multiple uh, conversations on that as well um, with, with various um, scholars as well as religious leaders just trying to yeah. understand, you know, how people interpret things because we everyone is, you know, entitled to their own interpretation. But there is some part of you that wants to get to like the closest, most absolute truth of whatever that we can you know however we can deduce you know um like explanations of humanity basically yeah yeah sure you shared a lot about you know what you've been through and a lot about i guess your recovery um and a few tips on how you yourself and probably how you would encourage your clients to also um 
undertake, I guess, to be able to heal themselves and for you to be able to heal yourself as well. So through healing yourself and healing others, you are also in a continual, um, I guess, dialogue with your recovery. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You can never wake up and say, I'm all healed or I'm all recovered. I think um, uh, trauma is something that um, manifests um, because there could be triggers and um, it's, the, it's the awareness of the triggers and, and knowing how to manage them, knowing how to look after yourself, knowing not to blame yourself for those days when you um, really feel down again because it is all about um, you know sitting standing uh, sitting back down lying down sleeping it off uh, you know uh, breathing um, it's never about just rising above everything and, and having a pompous uh, attitude and having an arrogance about oh i'm all healed and therefore now i am the healer no mm. um you you are facilitating healing in another only because they have their own healing mechanism within them to to find and recalibrate and heal and in your journey to facilitate and be of service to someone else by facilitating their healing you too are actually healing still because it's never ending it's never ending it is uh, it's now something that is a part of your life you have been blessed with uh, traumatic experiences so that you may now know what that feels like so that you may now be compassionate with another and empathize with another um, if you say that I'm all healed or I'm all recovered, then you are completely uh, missing the point and you yeah. are completely functioning from ego rather than the soul that you are, the pure part of you that can't be touched, that can't be traumatized, that can't be violated, that can't be um, abused. That soulful self is where the service, the light of service comes from. It's, that's the light that you want to keep shining every day you know i completely agree and i you know there's definitely an evolutionary or biologically um uh a biological reason for the ego to exist you know i think you know for survival and things like that you know i think the ego has a protective factor towards it but at the same time, you know, it is counterproductive when it comes to growth and, hu and humility, especially. And, you know, you can't grow if you're not humble. And a lot of the times we talk about PTSD, um, you know, trauma, all these symptoms that we experience, all these, you know, awful, awful uh, flashbacks and experiences um, the, the, the years of our lives, you know, that got derailed because of that and, and so on. But I feel that maybe it's time now to start talking about the post-traumatic growth, because we know for a fact that a lot of, a lot of successful people, a lot of, um, you know, philosophers, a lot of scientists, inventors um, have 
had some tragic experiences in their lives and have, you know, overcome them and come out on the yeah. other end, like stronger than they could ever imagine. Um, and yeah. I was just, I would just like to hear your spiel, your take on post-traumatic growth, given that in my opinion, this is, you are a living example of that. I feel that too. I feel post-traumatic growth is, um, is a, a, a path. It's a path that one chooses by firstly acknowledging that the trauma is not you. You experienced the trauma, but you are the force. You are not your experiences. You are the force that overcomes the experience, right? So when you know that, your growth begins to um, manifest because mm. you've acknowledged that the trauma is a part of your life. It is not your life. Your life is more than that. Your life is um, a reason for you to actually be here to be love, not to find love or give love, but to be love. And that starts from saying to yourself that, you know, um, life has given me many experiences. Some experiences have really torn me and crushed me. And uh, some experiences have given me joy. So if, if all of these experiences exist, then where am I in that? Am I the experience or am I um, a purer, uh, being, am I a pure being who is actually here to learn from all of these things? And if I am learning, then what am I doing with the lesson? So that's where growth happens. When you can sit with yourself, be vulnerable with yourself, instead of blaming, instead of traumatizing yourself with shame and guilt and blame and fault, mm. you can just step back and say, I am going to forgive and embrace love. And it might not even feel like it's possible, but if you can just start trying, I am willing to look at forgiveness for self and others. I am willing to experience love within me for self and others. If you can even start saying good words about yourself to yourself, mm -hmm. growth begins to emerge. Growth begins to manifest in all your choices, even the choice of what food you're going to eat today. Because emotional eating is a trigger response as well. Um, oh, yes. And even, you know, choices of clothing that you buy or choices of things that you watch online or, or words that you write to others in response to text messages, all of those things, you will become aware in your growth, whether you are reacting or responding. And reaction is going to keep you in the victim state. Response will ask you, and like response will uh, require you to be mindful, mm. mindful of how you talk about it. And with so that a, mindfulness, there is growth. So it's a response versus reaction. Absolutely, always, always. You know, reaction um, is required, yes, when you touch a hot surface and you pull your hand back, that's a, a physical reaction. It's a neuron pathway that gets affected and your hand reacts in that way, you know. That's fine. But if somebody says uh, hurtful things, um, you have a moment to just 
be silent and uh, and analyze the response you want to take if you're going to just reply immediately you're not thinking you're simply reacting so response will require you to think and when you think you are valuing yourself you are giving yourself value to pause, to reflect on what was just said to you, how it made you feel. You are able to name your feeling. You are able to um, accommodate and acknowledge yourself in that manner. And then you're able to formulate a proper response that will be uh, in light with your growth. It's not going to stagnate your healing. It's not going to limit your potential it's not going to make you feel like a victim it's certainly not going to make you feel like you've been bullied again all over again so giving yourself the moment to pause and understand how you feel and name your feelings and then uh, take your time to respond it doesn't matter who that person is and how demanding they are you don't need to respond straight away you can take your time. It's your life and the power is in your hands to take your time for your growth, for your healing, for your recovery. It is a personal journey. No one should impose that on you. I've learned something from what you just said, and I've never seen it that way. Um, and I'm just going to articulate that for our listeners and also for myself. The fact that you said that moment, you know, that we take where we choose to respond rather than react, that it is a moment that we take for ourselves, that yes. it is a bit of a gift. Um, this is how yes. I interpret it or heard it, okay? I might not be using the, your words. And I've never seen it in that way. I've never understood taking that moment as a gift for yourself or as something that you do to to give yourself permission to respond. Um, I've always thought yes. of as, as a as a strategy, as a technique, so as not to escalate the situation and to respond better. But I've never actually thought of it in a way as though you are giving yourself like a little gift of a breath or a pause or a moment to be able to respond in a way that best reflects how you would want to respond, I guess. Yes, exactly, exactly. I totally resonate with what you just said. It is a gift of solitude, a gift of silence, a gift of self-acknowledgement that, you know what, this person is speaking to me in this manner and I am allowed to feel this way right now. I'm going to sit with this feeling and know what it is that I'm being triggered about, I'm going to understand myself better. And that way you're not playing the blame game. You're not giving power to somebody else about how you feel. Mm. You're taking full power and full responsibility and saying, this is my life. I will choose how I want to now respond to this person or this situation. And, you know, we always talk about patience. Patience isn't just something that's going to happen. Patience is a moment where you are required to reflect and understand how to practice it uh, in reality. It's not just a, a, an empty word. We need to have the situation in which to practice it. So when somebody is crossing the line or um, where you know there's delays happening, 
that's the moment to really gift yourself the awareness that this is the situation I'm currently being blessed with where I'm given the moment to practice this beautiful virtue called patience. Man, it all starts with the moment, doesn't it? <laughs> it all starts with the breath. It all starts with the moment. Breathing stops when we are triggered, you know? We, yeah. we naturally, women are known to be shallow breathers. So become aware of your breath. Become aware of how your body is feeling. Are you feeling hot? Are you feeling cold? Your sensations, you know? How is your sensory perception working in that moment? And that's when you know um, you are, um, you know, going towards a reaction or response. Mm. If you're going to start analyzing, uh, not analyzing, but accepting and naming the feelings that you are uh, experiencing and regulating your emotions, then you know you are in control. You are living with full awareness. If you don't acknowledge any of those things, then you're simply reacting to somebody else's power upon you at that yeah. moment. Yeah, definitely. Everything you said is on point. Um, and of course, many of us already know this, but it is so helpful to, to hear that from time to time again and again, because it serves as a really powerful reminder, because we already know these things. So just listening to you speak again, um, reiterating the importance of the breath of self-awareness and all these quite basic things, I would say. Um, but then again, I might rephrase or choose a different uh, word. Actually, I would probably use fundamental. Mm. Quite fundamental things that often we let slip by and then we wonder why we get so triggered, why we're so exhausted, why we're so stressed out, why we're so irritable. It's because we've allowed the fundamental practices to slowly slip away because at some point we were feeling a bit better. Um, so thank yeah. you for, yeah. for these reminders. You're welcome. And I, I thank you so much. And I'd like to add one more thing. You know, um, one thing that's really become my mantra uh, mm -hmm. in my healing journey, in my recovery, and every day I live by this mantra is when things happen, um, I, I, I no longer ask why is it happening to me. I ask what am I learning from this? That's how I'm going. My growth is all about asking the right question. I no longer ask the victim question, why is it happening to me? I now ask myself, what am I learning from this? Can I share a little experience with you? Sure. Recently, I got into a relatively minor um, car collision. It was a side collision and it, I think I was not used to changing lanes and checking my blind spot with such a long car. And so mm -hmm. it was my fault. And, you know, it was my first collision and I was quite shaken. Um, you know, we, we pulled, we pulled up into a side street and we talked about it. It was another woman. And obviously I got out of the car and I just said, look, I'm really, really, really sorry. This is my first car. This is my first time. I, seriously did not see you at all um and you know I was very apologetic and I was in shock as well and um you know we spoke a little bit and we you know tried to exchange our details and all that and at the end of it 
I just burst into tears because I felt so guilty for troubling somebody, you know. Um, I've taken, you know, this chunk of her day out, probably another chunk of her week out because she'll have to drop the car off at some point to get it fixed. And, you know, all sorts of things. I've just troubled somebody. I've also, you know, troubled my partner because he, you know, he's always really forgiving. Actually, he didn't even flinch. Um, when I told him what happened, he was really helpful. Nobody blamed me except for myself, <laughs> of course. Mm. And I had to carry on with the rest of my day. Um, so I was still quite wired for hours because I was still driving around and all mm. that. And then I got home. But by the time I got home, I had somehow, I was already okay with it. And I think it was for a few reasons. First, no one actually really blamed me. Secondly, mm. I did accept responsibility straight away. And I also was able to forgive myself um, because mm. like, it really was my first time. I had no idea. Um, it was a shock. Like she appeared and it was like magic. <laughs> like I had never, I hadn't seen her at all. Um, and mm. the other, the other point was the fact that I just looked at it as a slightly expensive lesson because mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that I would have had such a blind spot, A, and it was a very minor collision. And now I learn all about, you know, insurances and what, what to do, you know, when something like that happens, who's involved, um, what the process and procedures are, what the policies look like. It was a huge learning experience for me yes and and i guess in in a, in a shallow way um i was trying to make sense of that experience and trying to yeah. tie that into my i guess my new life here in australia in a way because i've never been somebody that would drive around and you know i've never owned a car mm -hmm. i've always relied on you know public transport and things like that i didn't need to worry about insurances you know like i just never had the opportunity um to to learn mm -hmm. all these things because i need didn't need them and yes and if we were to circle back to post-traumatic growth of course this was not particularly traumatic i was just a bit rattled but when you were talking about post-traumatic growth and how you were making sense having to make sense of all the negative all the adversity that you went through or that one would mm -hmm. go through um, in, in order to tie that into the narrative of your life, it makes sense that A, I guess acknowledging all the different bits and pieces, all the different um, aspects of the experience individually, mm -hmm. being able yeah. to make sense of that, like making meaning is a really big part of it. And if you don't, if you don't engage in meaning making, there is there is very little capacity or scope for growth because if you're not going to make sense of the situation, then you're just going to shut mm -hmm. it down or I guess revert back to some sort of um, poor me or, you know, I have bad luck or people are just awful to me kind of narrative. And mm -hmm. by doing that, you're not actually engaging, you're rather shunning from the situation. So you kind of have to confront 
which is, you know, it is daunting. And, you know, we all have our um, capacities in terms of like some people are able to confront things faster and sooner, whereas some people need more time depending on the severity of the situation. Um, but at mm -hmm. some point, you're going to have to face the ins and outs, all the aspects of the, 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 the incident and the situation mm. that has caused you distress and then make yeah. sense of it, make meaning from it, reframe it, see what you learn from it, like what you said. And only then you can experience, you know, post-traumatic growth. You can experience um, a heightened appreciation of life. You know, your relationships with other people would be improved. You can see new opportunities in front of you because and you're able to embrace them like what we were talking about earlier um where you know some people may not be able to see that they may have a second chance there yeah um yes. and it really it really it really has a profound impact um on your personal strength and often and this is based on my research and personal experiences and professional experiences as well there is always some form of spiritual shifts towards, you know, positivity. Yes. yes, correct. Yes, always, always. You feel, you feel purpose and meaning in your own life only because you've been able to allow yourself, give yourself permission to regulate your emotions and give meaning to how you feel instead of, like you said, suppressing them. Because when, when I was suppressing things, I was actually just uh, then acting it out in anger. And you know, it was only after years that after reading Deepak Chopra's um, work, I realized that um, when you are angry, you are actually um, acting out unhealed pain. Mm. So that's when I realized, you know, all these different emotions that I was suppressing, uh, they were just painful emotions. So, and they weren't healed. So therefore, I was acting out unhealed pain in the form of um, in the form of anger, mm. you know, and lashing out. Yeah, yeah. So amazing, amazing things, huh? What a, what a journey this conversation has been. Yeah. Are thank you, you so much, Amira. Oh, you're welcome. No, thank you. I was just asking, how are you doing right now? I mean, we talked about some pretty heavy stuff. I'm well. I'm I'm well because every day I, um, so it's been like 2017 uh, when I really could feel the shift. And it was 2017 when I started facilitating healing in others, you know, because I had enough awareness by that stage um, it took me five years from 2012 to 2017. Mm. Um, so I, you know, 20 from 2017, I started being of service every single day. So I am well every day because I wake up with a prayer that I, you know, God, please take me to anyone who needs um, to, you know, to, to get my my service today please help me make me that instrument where i can serve i can serve somebody else who who is going through a hard time or who is going through you know the the dark times and and 
let me be of service, you know, let me facilitate the healing that you have put in me and, and the, the awareness that you've put in me. God, please help me help another find that awareness. You are truly inspiring. Thank you so much, Princess. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate this time and I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And um, I'm so hoping that your listeners will benefit from our talk today. I hope so too. I hope so too. And can you um, tell your our listeners uh, just one more time how they'd like, um, how they could contact you if they'd like to? Sure. So my website is www.princesslakshman.com. Um, maybe you can put a link um, yes. in the description, um, I hope. Yeah. And um, I'm always available on uh, WhatsApp for uh, a message text. Um, and that's uh, plus 61451977786. So I can be contacted uh, via WhatsApp. Um, or you can follow me on Instagram with um, my name, Princess R. Lakshman. Or you can go to my Facebook page, again, Princess R. Lakshman. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty, if you Google me, you'll, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that you'll find. So um, yeah, and Amazon has my books, uh, both my books. Uh, the top of them is uh, The Girl Child, which I wrote um, years ago. Right. And um, the current one, which is The Soul Speaks. Thank you so much. Thank you. I guess we'll say goodbye for now. Um, thank you for tuning in and stay tuned for the next episode of Science of the Soul. Thank you, Princess. Thank you, Amira.